0: The vegan restaurant that started selling meat is everywhere this week. Let's get to the heart of the issue.
1: Mexican bullfighting is back, but not without a lot of protests.
2: An activist is arrested for interfering with animal
0: traps. And both literary festivals and paint have vegan makeovers this week.
1: Anyway, that's enough of the falafel. I'm Julie. I'm Anthony. And I'm Kate, and this is episode 37 of Vegan Week. Welcome to episode 37 of Vegan Week. We're here once again to look at the week's vegan and animal rights news, discussing the issues that really matter, continuing to broaden our horizons and to keep on learning.
0: Yes, indeed. And we're delighted to be doing so in partnership with a superb 100% vegan business, Fire & Flow Coffee. All the more important, perhaps, considering this week's news. Now, if you love great coffee want to spend your money with vegan businesses and love a cheeky discount, head over to fireandflowcoffee.co.uk, enter falafel10, that's falafel10, at the checkout and you will get 10% off your order.
2: Right you two, we've got a lot to get through. I think we need to cut the falafel and get straight to this week's news.
1: Let's go! So, as we did last week, we're going to absolutely whiz through about a dozen stories, super, super quick. And then afterwards, we'll pick a few of these to examine in a bit more detail, including our main story for the week, the news of the vegan restaurant that has started serving meat.
0: Indeed. So let's start off with news directly affecting non-human animals right now. This week, Farming UK reported new government statistics, which revealed that the proportion of hens who live in cages has dropped to its lowest number ever in the UK, with 23% of eggs sourced from caged hens last year. Just over a decade ago, that figure was as high as 51%. A story from The Independent detailed an incident involving a hunt saboteur who was arrested after he freed a young deer and a hare that were frantically struggling whilst caught in snares. The activist Doug Moore, however, has said that the arrest was based on footage from a completely different incident where he wasn't even in the video. The animal reader reported that a ship that had been carrying 16,000 animals for almost a month docked at a Perth port in Australia on Thursday. The vessel MV Bahija transported 14,000 sheep and 2,000 cows from Australia to Israel, but returned due to the threat of attack by Yemen's Houthi militia. The animals cannot disembark from the ship in Perth, where temperatures can rise up to 40 degrees Celsius. The Australian government is currently deciding on their fate, whether to allow the animals to exit the ship and go into quarantine or to send them straight back to Israel, which means they would have to endure another month facing metal bars i gotta say i feel quite ignorant i didn't realize like those were the numbers involved in live exports that's that's shocking isn't it really horrid
1: just grim yeah grim grim grim
0: and in more heartwarming news animal rights activists have rescued 32 rabbits out of nearly 100 rabbits admittedly abandoned along the side of a highway in the turkish capital ankara it's thought that the rabbits had been dumped by an illegal breeder
1: In culture, the Oxford Literary Festival this week announced that it will be hosting a number of events discussing veganism this year, with all festival dinners throughout the week being vegan. The event will run from March the 16th to March the 24th. So book your tickets now. (laughs) And more vegan culture can be seen in London as a vegan play exploring the horrors of the meat industry through the eyes of two men working in an abattoir has started its second run now at the Southwark Playhouse. Hailed as a study of human strength, connection and hope in pitiless surroundings, Blood on Your Hands is a new vegan play following the friendship of two abattoir workers as they are forced to open their eyes to the cruelty of their work. Through tackling the difficult conversation, the play aims to make you laugh, make you cry, and most importantly, start a conversation.
0: If I can just jump in here, this made me think of Mm. the conversation that, uh, Julie, you and I were having on last week's Vegan Talk episode, where we were saying, goodness, how difficult it is to get people to watch free stuff streaming on the internet. Like, this is a whole other level, isn't it? Getting someone to go to a play about a slaughterhouse and sit, pay good money and sit there for two hours. I mean, credit to anyone who can persuade someone to do that. But it seems to be working. Yeah. If it's if it's yeah. back for its second run, like credit to them, must be good. They must have some good marketing.
2: Lots of mm. campaigns hitting the news this week, as well as quite a lot of paint flying about. First up, the BBC reported that whilst bullfighting returned to Mexico City this week, <laughs> there were plenty of protests outside the venue. As spectators returned to Mexico City's bullfighting venue for the first time in two years, protesters waved banners with slogans, including No More Deaths of Innocents, Others wore bull masks and painted themselves red.
0: Did anyone see what they were chanting inside the stadium?
1: Uh, yes, I did. I've forgotten what it was, uh, but it was a bit more pro bullfight. Well, it was wasn't like it?
0: long live freedom or something like oh, that. Yes. It's oh, like, yes, come yes. on, are we not oh. missing the irony here? Like, look yeah. in the middle of the arena. Does that look like freedom yeah. to you? god's sake
2: oh, i kind of wanted to pick up on i think it's fine to go there with your bull mask painted red i hope you had clothes on as well <laughs> um do you know i would rather some hunt sabs just got right in there among it
0: yeah 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 <laughs> do you know yeah I mean,
2: just, you know what i mean and actually sab to the bullfight and and saved the bull oh my goodness can young. you
0: imagine
2: <laughs> wishful thinking on my part i think in rome two activists a man and a woman Again, some paint flying about here. Through yellow, red and orange paint over the Fontana di Leone to protest about circus animal exploitation. In July 2022, a law was approved in Italy that banned the use of animals in circuses and other travelling shows, but the law still needs to be implemented.
0: Do, do we know if that fountain was targeted specifically? I, I know it's kind of like a, a lion fountain and there was a was it a lion or a tiger that escaped from a, a circus in italy recently like is that just a coincidence oh
1: it was a lion yeah it do, was do, a lion. do we think that's deliberate sounds like it doesn't it?
0: kind of clever yeah. if it is
1: that's so sad that's tragic though isn't it that they've got the law but it's just not being yeah yeah being into yeah. action what more do you I need mean... to do <laughs> yeah exactly i'm still i Part of me is just a bit concerned about all this
2: paint flying about, though. I just don't know how effective that is. But yeah. it get if it gets attention, but mm. yeah, mm. it gets kind of the wrong sort of attention in a way, I think.
1: But well, it right. was soup, wasn't it, over the Mona Lisa this week? Perhaps I should use soup. And
2: finally, in Spain, animal advocacy charity PETA have celebrated King Felipe the sixth fifty sixth birthday this week by sending him a gift wrapped box filled with a big pile of bull poop. The monarch's continued attendance at bullfights has sparked intense backlash, and Peter's efforts are an attempt to draw further attention to this.
0: So it's a choice between uh, bull poop or paint this week in, in protests, it seems.
2: Yeah, I'm, I think bull poop is better. Maybe they should be showering the crowd with bull poop at the bullfights yeah. or something. I think it's a little more environmentally friendly sounding to yeah,
0: me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, one study to report on this week. The University of Nottingham have examined the risk of iodine deficiency by switching from dairy milk to plant milk. You should, of course, note that amongst other solutions to a potential iodine deficiency, the Vegan Society's Veg1 Daily Multivitamin contains 100% of your RDA of iodine, which is what I personally do. I don't know about you two if you're munching down on seaweed or you're not too bothered.
1: Veg1 for me. Veg1
0: all the way. Um, and yeah. finally, maybe this is answering your concerns, Julie. A Somerset based company has developed what it claims to be a vegan paint made from 100% sustainable plant extracts, natural minerals, and salt. The creators of Paint Zero say its properties improve indoor air quality and produce high-value carbon credits for constructors, architects and other built professions, as well as obviously avoiding the exploitation of animals. Didn't fancy mentioning that one. Anyway, for anyone wondering, I did have to look this up, many paints contain casein, which is the primary protein in milk, shellac, a resin secreted from the female lac bug, and ox gall, which as the name might suggest, comes from cows as in ox and gall as in gallbladder. Wow. Okay. Lots to take in there. Now, all of those stories can be read in more detail by following the links in our show notes. We've not got the time to look at all these stories in detail, but we're going to pick one each and explore it a bit more. Kate, which one of these stories caught your eye in particular this week?
1: (laughs) Well, I thought I'd have a little bit more of a delve on the Oxford Literary Festival, which is hosting a number of events discussing veganism this year, and all festival dinners throughout the week will be vegan. I just think this is such a mainstream event. I mean, we've had Oxford City Council and the County Council have signed up to the plant-based treaty. Mm. Oxford Uni's kind of at the forefront of lots of research into animal ag and its negative climate environmental impacts and the fact that they have this massive influential literary festival there. Yeah, they're serving vegan food throughout. Marlene Watson Tara is uh, going to be talking about her vegan vegan food, I guess sharing recipes and talking about her books. And there's going to be several panels. I just think that stories, they're kind of how we make sense of the world. Mm. They're primal. They go back to our earliest childhood memories. And, uh, you know, even the dawn of civilization, man, I I suspect ever since she could talk, has been sitting around a... a a fire in the dark talking about stories Mm. uh talking stories and what have you teaching younger people and it's kind of books and stories they help us imagine what it's like to see through the eyes of others you know live in others shoes or trotters or paws (laughs) or or true life Reliving people's other actual lives, you know, it opens our eyes to possibilities of new ways of living. And and so many things have been imagined in sci-fi, for example, that now exist in real life. And as vegans, we are trying to imagine the world we want to live in because we want to live in a vegan world where, you know, cruelty to animals doesn't exist and the planet is healed the environment's healed we need to work together to bring it about and um we need our best communicators Mm -hmm. i think sometimes it's really hard for i find it very hard myself getting my thoughts across to people in general and you know i get so triggered myself about it i'm not such an effective or clear communicator and um, I think this festival is bringing together some of our greatest imaginers, philosophers, comedians, storytellers who do think deeply and have empathy and they engage with people in the most productive, well, yeah, engaging way. There's uh, So there's the aspect of having vegan food served and that there's several kind of panels. I'm I personally find really interesting because... This really will have the most massive impact on animal agriculture. And it's all about cultivated meat. It's entitled Will Cultivated Meat Save the World? And it's chaired by Francine Stock. And it will feature someone called Owen Ensor. I've looked up these people because I don't know who some of these people are. But he's like the lead for a company called Meatly. And they are making cultivated meat for animal foods, for, you know, pet foods, sorry, pet foods which I think is like a huge issue, isn't it? So he's really interesting. Uh, someone called Ira Van Eelen, who is described as a huge supporter of the innovation of cultivated meat. She's worked in the field for more than 40 years. She's a speaker, lobbyist, researcher. Somebody called Jim Mellon, who's gone to argue that environmental impact, attitudes to animal cruelty and the struggle to feed a growing population will mean there is no alternative to getting our protein from meat grown in laboratories or from plant-based sources. And he's like a serial investor, kind of disruptive industries. The way to get cultural change is to have some of these writers, big thinkers, and then hopefully that will bleed into some of the other, other kind, not just books but films and kids books and you know just everything and start changing our culture in a way that engages with other people outside of the vegan network.
0: Yeah. Um, you've just got me really excited about it I, I, I was, yeah I was feeling very inspired by that and I've while you've been talking I've been looking on their website and seeing how much tickets are actually it's quite affordable really if you can get to Oxford. It's, um, yeah. I've got to say on this one like I was initially irked by the headline because I hate it when people mm. say something's going vegan when it's not I mean like presumably no, there's I... going to be some animal products there isn't there and oh you know yeah, sure. uh but but like when you see the range of stuff and the, the extent to which they are uh, looking at this and, t- and taking veganism seriously and and i mm. guess promoting it really that 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 um though there's going to be debate and discussion like it's it's shining a really big spotlight on it it's, it's fab really, I, I can't really see a downside.
1: Well there is, there is another panel which is entitled The Good, The Bad and The Ugly of Farming, that one's got somebody called Graham Harvey who is a philosopher and has written the book Animism and he gives a definition, animism is the attempt to live respectfully as members of the diverse community of living persons only some of whom are human which we call the world or cosmos so great but then we've got some someone called Rosamond Young who's the author of the secret life of carols and when you look at her up she's she's got a family farm where the animals receive extraordinary kindness before being sent to slaughter so i'm just like Mm. got to worry um, for our
0: family really haven't you
1: well you do and uh so i think maybe that, that much more hey let's let's kind of we're going to raise animals we're going to do it kindly but well, that that still gives me hope because it makes it so expensive to rear animals for me it's becomes unaffordable for for most people and hopefully they're going to go if they've got to eat meat which i won't it's still not going to be healthy they're going to go for the cultivated meat which apparently they're trying to get to is reaching what they're calling griddle parity so it means it's going to be on a par price wise with your traditionally thingied meat um, and hopefully, it will become much, much cheaper very soon as well. So this does give me lots of hope. Do, I think sorry, does, can... does griddle
0: parity not mean? I'm just guessing here. I don't want to contradict mm-hmm. you, but surely griddle parity would be like how it performs on the grill.
1: Oh. No, well, not not how um, what's his name, Jim Mellon uses it. So he, for example, it says it won't be very long before alternatives to dairy comprise. 50% of the US market it will be a similar story with cheese, seafood, and then meat. Think about this in terms of griddle parity. Every, no, everyone knows about griddle parity, and <laughs> where the price of ele- electricity created by new re- renewables comes down to the price created by fossil fuels or conventional methods. Griddle parity is the same for food, for meats, and we are within two years of griddle parity for plant-based meats and about five years for laboratory-grown meat. This will constitute an enormous revolution and release a lot of land. Blah, 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 blah. Anyway, he, he's quite an interesting character, I think.
0: Well, I can... You so. should
1: have hung on in there,
2: Nomaz gastrobar.
0: Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> revolution was on its
1: way. Exactly.
0: Just two years, yeah. two years.
1: Yeah. Could have taken it so, alone. Yeah. Anyway, Julie, what about you? Which of these stories captured your attention over the others?
2: I am going for the Doug Maw story. This this is a man who people may be familiar with already, who's a very prolific vegan activist. And he has been arrested... Well, he was arrested last year, but the hearing has only recently happened. But he may... Well, he did. He freed a, a young deer and a hare from snares. And if anybody sees the footage, which he may or may not have shot himself, it is absolutely heartrending. It really is. And I would challenge anybody to hear the sounds that these little animals were making and watch their struggle and walk on by. It really is just mm. heartbreaking to see. So he has filmed or he's somebody has filmed their struggles and they have been freed so that's the first thing but yes he was arrested for interfering with traps and for damages to property so it was six charges of criminal damage and three of theft and the damages were 1700 pounds which is amazing. I don't know what they make their snares out of on the Arundel (laughs) estate. It must be 24 carat gold or something. (laughs) Because if you look on um, the internet, you can get a snare for about 14 quid. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Those were some expensive snares that he maybe took away or maybe had to cut them or I don't know how, you know, how come they got damaged. But um, oops there. (laughs) So yes, he was arrested nearly a year ago the hearing has only just happened, though. But in fact, the Lewis Crown Court judge has declared him not guilty, and the evidence is just not there to um, to go any further. But in fact, what happened was the estate changed their mind. Um, about charging him or not I don't know I'm not exactly how don't understand how the law works exactly but the estate is owned by the Duke of Norfolk they deliberately allowed the case to fail they didn't want that going to court they would have looked extremely bad if a jury had been involved in a trial so what they have asked for is a ban on him going into their estate A non-conviction restraining order is what they have asked and that will suit them just fine because their estate is absolutely littered with traps and snares. 40 to 50 snares Doug has apparently found in a two-hour trip around that estate in the past so they want to just continue that abhorrent practice undisturbed they didn't want that going to court in the first place
0: can can i ask a question that might might be an obvious answer but like Mm. why is an estate like that got snares why has it got traps i don't quite understand
2: because they're trying to selectively overbreed masses of little birds like partridges for people to shoot them. So they're trying to get rid of the predators of these species. So they're completely disrupting the whole eco-balance of the area. Yeah. So that they've got lots of helpless little birds to shoot easily in the name of sport. Yeah. It's so damaging. Yeah. And on so many levels. So yeah, it's not even just about the fact that people are getting off on killing little birds. Mm. which they don't they don't need to eat them they're not that hungry you know what i mean But it's the the number of different species of wildlife and bearing in mind that these things are snares because we're talking about england where these things are still still legal in scotland at the moment but we're trying to get rid of them here but these snares are not just catching wildlife and it's bad enough that they are but people Mm. cats and dogs You know, anything can get caught in a snare. Yeah. And even the ones that are so-called sort of running snares, where they only go so tight and then if you stay still, they will stop getting, you know, I mean, they they won't harm you. They, They get corroded so that you know i mean you can get horrible injuries and animals get killed by even the so-called legal ones as well yeah so they are absolutely horrific
0: i mean good on the independent for for sharing this story i I don't know about youtube but when i read this i thought it it, it wasn't like um very often particularly in tabloids when uh, animal rights activists or protesters or even just a everyday vegan is in the news it's it's not portrayed in a particularly favourable way, whereas I think generally mm-hmm. this article comes down in on, on Doug Moore's side. I don't know if that was your, the take that you two had. but
2: Yes, and I read the Guardian article on this same story as well, which I think was even better, and they'd obviously done a little bit more research and things into the whole background and got to know a wee bit about Doug as well, who... A lot of people will be familiar with him. He's been on um Good Morning Britain, I think, you know, and he was in that film with the Abattoir Gosh, what's it called? Nowhere to Run. Yeah. He was featured in that. So he's been Oh, is that him quite a wee bit. Yes, that's him. Oh Hi. golly. Oh, wow. So he's quite familiar and he's doing great stuff for animals out there. So shout out to Doug if he ever listens to this mm, podcast.
0: <laughs> absolutely. We're on
2: your side
1: here. <laughs> yeah,
0: fantastic.
1: Just to say, I've been woefully ignorant about snares even being a thing until not that long ago. And I think probably a lot of people who are more townies don't realise that there's a bloody war going on out there. You know, for for nature and the animals, and if you don't get shot, you get snared, or some other hideous ending. You know, um, it's, it's, we've got blooming biodiversity crisis happening for goodness' sake. We've got insectageddon We need to well, stop. Well, the shooting all
2: this. industry has a huge part to play in all of that. I can assure you, Kate. And yeah. actually, um, snares are bad enough. But we also have things called spring traps, which are absolutely the most brutal thing you could ever see. Um, And glue traps as well, Mm. which are about to be banned in Scotland. And they are absolutely revolting. I think I would challenge anybody to see an animal killed by a spring trap Mm. and not want to do something to get rid of them but the thing is they are hidden from our view often Mm. Um, i know how to find them Mm. so i do find them quite a lot Mm. but they're they're quite often close to paths but hidden Mm. but once you know where they're put you can find a lot of them Mm. Um, we should maybe do a show on traps Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah there are things you can do as a walker if you find a trap there are things you can do to help and to help organisations like the SSPCA or the RSPCA or the League Against Cruel Sports to check them out and investigate them because some of them are legal traps that have been set illegally so you can get people prosecuted. Some of them are illegal traps so you can get people prosecuted. Some of them are legal traps that have been set legally, but you can still, especially if there's been an animal killed in them, take some footage and take photos and Mm. let people know. Be careful what you put on Facebook, though, because as Doug will tell you, it can lead you to getting arrested. Some of the evidence they had against him was historic. Some of it wasn't even him. Mm. But they strolled through his Facebook or some kind of social media account and got past stuff, and they were trying to get him on that. So... Mm. Um, I think he and I are going to end up in the same jail one of these days. (laughs) I'm quite sparing about what I put on Facebook. There's a couple of things on there. (laughs) I'm tempted to plaster Facebook with stuff Mm. because I think it would really get people going, but I am aware Mm. that the law, laughably, is on the side of the people who are committing this horrific cruelty. It's not on the side of... People who are intervening in something probably quite innocently, just you know, because again when you see these crow traps and there's a crow in a tiny tree at cage, sorry, and it's flapping and damaging itself desperate to get out, and it's wee water dishes knocked over and there's no food in there, whatever, you you, you couldn't walk past that. Mm. It's absolutely heartrending. So Anyway, yes, I'm glad that traps are in the news because lots of people don't know about them. And yes, let's educate folk about traps.
1: I guess in in England also a lot of these things are going on way off the the footpaths, which is also why we need a right to roam here Mm. so that we can kind of wander across this so-called private property and come across things like that too. I, I, you know, I'm so suspicious. Why don't they want us on walking across the land peacefully? Um, you yeah. know, what yeah. is being hidden? What other things are being hidden?
0: Well, as you said, Kate, the Right to Roam campaign. Look it up. It's it's fabulous. In fact, I'm re- I'm reading a couple of books at the moment about um about that very issue. And uh, yeah, mm. getting all educated and fired up. It's a very exciting journey to be on
2: okay anthony which story do you want to go into in a bit more detail
0: well i wanted to go back on the chickens we were talking about them last week and the merciful morrisons giving them an extra few centimeters each um and and now we've got a, a story reported by farming uk but it's based on government statistics saying that the proportion of enriched caged hens has dropped below 25 percent for the first time uh, since these records began and you know the the kind of big headline was well just over a decade ago half of hens were caged in the uk now we're down to a quarter i guess that's good news it's it's a really tricky one though isn't it in that that's still an awful lot of hens living their lives in cages the the term enriched cages is something that's not i don't think it's banded around particularly much. I'd heard it a few times, but if you if you look up what an enriched cage looks like, yeah. it's not something you would want to be living in. Or you know, if you had a if you lived with a, a hen, a chicken at, at home, and you thought, oh, let's you know going away on holiday for the week, let's um, you know instead of putting the dog in kennels, let's send the the hen to a, an enriched cage. You absolutely wouldn't want that. Um, so the fact that it's it's even there at all is is horrific we've got to be pleased with with progress but i I, i'm questioning what the conversation should be about whether it should be about consuming chickens at all that said Mm. when you look into the story you look into organizations like the humane league and petitions that they've got we'll put a link in the show notes that there are campaigns to end cages for hens Mm like i say obviously as as vegans we we don't want them to be commodified and 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 used their lives used for our ends exclusively anyway but there are campaigns like that 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 you can get involved with. I was actually looking at the, um, um, so on change.org there is a petition uh, that I've, I found a link to from uh, the Humane League, it's also backed by the Conservative Animal Welfare Foundation and the RSPCA um, saying end cruel cages for hens, this is demanding uh, the UK government to ban cages for all laying hens by 2026. It has got just over 100,000 signatures which is the yeah. is the critical number to get it debated and it it, it is something that's it's been an issue the last few years there was there were promises that it were it was going to be discussed and and proposed in parliament but a lot of these debates have have since been abolished and are not on the agenda anymore and i i I don't know about you two but i have really mixed feelings about this because of course things like this it's a great opportunity to discuss these things it gives us different angle but at the same time, I just kinda of think, oh gosh, like the, the 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 information that the Humane League provide, they've they've got this big scientific document that you can download for free on their website talking about all the, you know, reasons why hens shouldn't be kept in cages. And I just kind of think I, I just feel like a one to one conversation with somebody. Like, forget the science, mm. like, they're sentient mm. beings. Can't mm. d- I think we need to relate to people in different ways? But I, I don't know. What do you two think?
2: I think we need to show people an enriched cage. And I also think we need to remind people about the chickens who don't even get that far and don't even have a cage. So, the egg industry likes to hide the fact that the little male chicks are put on the conveyor belt the little wee chipping wee things are just tumbling into this horrific thing like a food blender and blended up alive or they're gassed so yes better cages blah 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 but let people see because enriched is quite misleading isn't it, it sounds yeah. nice but also don't let people forget that even if their eggs are coming from hens that are wandering about and out in the sunshine or whatever what is happening to the male ones?
0: Yeah, well, or, or even the ones that, that are wandering about. I, I I looked in this Humane League um, report and it kind of listed the the sort of gold standard, if you like, is the organic hen that's got space outside and, and what have you. They're still only living 70 days. and Naturally, they're living five years, 10 years, often longer. You know, it's, it, for me, that's the biggest one that I think most people don't know about. Is how how short their lives are cut. Is it Doesn't matter how good your life is. I mean, you know, put someone up in a palace, give them a glorious few years as a toddler, and then kill them when you know a human when they're yeah. eight years old. That's that's not acceptable, is it? You know,
1: I think I think it's good that this is out there in the media again, and and people are like having to think oh yes it's chickens that lay eggs they don't just appear in a pack on the on the supermarket shelf oh yeah they come from chickens and some of them have really miserable lives in fact they all have well most of them have miserable lives and i also think it's good that push i know we all want to get rid of chickens in agriculture but anything that makes it less profitable for the industry is a good thing in my opinion in my humble opinion you know give them a give them another postage stamp size bit of thing and that just makes it even less profitable but you know every little increment so absolutely (sighs) well
0: let's move on now let's look at this week's main story this is about a macclesfield restaurant no mass gastro bar formerly a vegan establishment. However, from the 22nd of January at 4.46, when they put the post out to the world, they have now started to serve meat and dairy products. And I would assume egg, although I've, I've, I've not seen that mentioned anywhere, so interestingly. We very briefly covered this in last week's show, just read a, a sentence out. At that point, it had been covered in a couple of smaller news outlets, local publications, things like that. However, when researching the show this week, I could barely find any other content. It was that widespread. It has been absolutely everywhere. Pretty much every major news source has in the country has reported it as well as plenty abroad as well. Let's get the basic facts. Julie, do you want to take us over like, the, the basic background to this story first and then we'll, we'll get into it a bit more?
2: Yes, I will. So this restaurant is now called Nomas Gastrobar. Um, It started off being called something else, um, Ethos Concept Store, but it's now Nomas Gastro Bar. It's in Macclesfield. It was actually opened in 2021, and it's run by a man called Adonis. I'm sorry if I do this wrong for him, but Noruznia and his wife Faye and some other family members. So they focus on organic and local produce, and their core values are, according to him, sustainability, freshness, and flavor. And although he describes himself as vegan, describes the business as vegan, he does use that term interchangeably with plant-based. And I looked at every single one of his Facebook posts and his website um, over the few years that he's been in business and at no point did I find a reference to opposing animal agriculture on the grounds that there was, you know the, on the kind of moral ground about we don't have the right to slaughter animals or abuse them or steal their milk or anything like that there was references to Um, climate change, destruction of the environment, poisoning of rivers, things like that. But it was never about the animals. So I would call that plant-based in my narrow-minded little definition (laughs) of things. And Donald Watson's actually invented the word. So when people are plant-based, my understanding is that they can still call themselves that if they're predominantly plant-based, but a lot of plant-based people will have on occasion meat and dairy things, you know, but they're plant-based. It's kind of mainly plants when it suits them and when it suits them because they don't have a moral objection to meat or dairy. They're doing it kind of, you know, to be nice to the environment. Um, So admittedly, when he opened his um, business, he got one of those signs put on the wall Veganism is always a good idea.
1: <laughs> it's,
2: <Well. laughs> it's a little bit lame. I mean, we've got to forgive him a little bit. English is not his first language. He's come here from Greece, bless him. And he has, he and his family have really worked hard, mm. really hard. Those Facebook posts are full of incredible dishes and photographed beautifully. And he, you know he's done he's sort of home delivery and takeout and promotions and everything he's really that man has probably not had a day off Mm. since that thing opened in 2021 so yeah he cites his reasons for going bust that he was getting competition from other vegan cafes So it wasn't really that vegan, there wasn't the demand. It was he was not, you know, he wasn't able to cope with the competition. He said that other, once the pandemic was over, other vegan cafes opened up and people went there. So there was a bit of that. Mm. And he also cited that vegan products cost more. And the two examples that he gave were plant milk and mayonnaise. And he he said about you know how much they cost when they are dairy free and when they are not. um I'm just disgraced that he would spend money on me and as you can make it yourself, <laughs> plant based stuff super quick, um, and even plant milk as well, and it saves you money. but um, he didn't ask me for tips on these things,
1: <laughs>
0: so- <laughs> yeah, so I mean, shall we quickly now get into the fact that this has been so widely covered? by mainstream media uh, and the the headlines have been along the lines that, that we've introduced it. Vegan restaurant forced to serve meat or chooses to serve meat basically because it's not making enough money as a vegan business. Like Kate, what what does that do to you emotionally? <laughs>
1: big sigh
0: oh um, that's unfa- quite mild that's that's <laughs> you been meditating recently
1: Gosh. yeah chill. no honestly it makes you so cross doesn't it but unfortunately there are certain media outlets who just like to gloat don't they i mean they they love stories like this there are so many businesses that have failed due to partly due to Brexit as well. I mean, I don't I think he mentions that he can't finding it hard to get staff and things. So it's not just vegan businesses that have uh, been finding difficulties. And it is true that certain foods, vegan foods are more expensive, because let's face it, Meat is so heavily subsidised, it's not the real price of what it should be. But yeah, it does, I mean, it just makes me, makes me cross that they're they're gloating over it. And like you say, it's everywhere.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is an issue with veganism being portrayed in a certain light, I think, by this story. He can't help how the media is responding to this can he it's not it's it's not up to him i mean yeah he's put a press release out fine mm. but i would imagine he's not done that thinking our oh, gb news are going to be on this the daily mail is going to be on it the bbc sky news australia like he's not doing that thinking that that's going to happen um
1: maybe he is i mean look at all the look at all the the media that happens when so-called vegan celebrities suddenly start eating meat again and saying bone broth it's the best thing ever i I felt crap and now i feel brilliant you know um maybe he he did think that it was gonna give him a lot of publicity for his business i don't know like Julie says, you know, maybe he isn't actually vegan, he is plant-based. Oh, I feel I'm...
2: almost certain, reading his posts, yeah. that that's exactly what he is. I mean, Julie... And I don't think he's struggling with the ethics of this, apart mm. from his his carbon footprint's a bit bigger for a while, mm. but I don't think he's worrying about the animals at all. He never has mentioned mm. them.
1: No. I mean, I, personally, I mean, I, I like I said, I used to have a little um, vegan catering business there is no way on earth that I would have started cooking meat because I wasn't making enough money. It's no. just, no, well, I couldn't I, do it. So
0: I Well, I, I shared this story with my partner and I, I like you, Kate, okay, I, I used to have a vegan food business, a cafe and a restaurant. And she said, well, you wouldn't have done that, but mainly because you wouldn't have known how to cook the meat or <laughs> the area with eggs. I, I wouldn't have the first clue of what to do. It, it, regardless if, if it was be a, uh, you know, I'd be, morally bankrupt by doing so, which is a phrase that's been bandied banded around quite a lot with this mm-hmm. story. It's um it's really disappointing to see. I, I think something that that came to my mind was that as as a vegan community, if we can describe ourselves as that, I mean that's an arguable thing anyway. Are we just are we just vegan individuals or is there such a thing as a vegan community? But regardless, the vegan movement really benefits from vegan businesses being out there being associated with the movement the cause you know wh- when new places open up it's a big boost to the movement it suggests that it's viable it's a lifestyle that people will go for we reap those benefits it it can make our lives easier if we're going into a place where we don't you know we don't need to ask what's being used or worry about cross contamination if that's a thing for you whatever so we reap the benefits of it but then when it doesn't go so well or somebody puts their foot on it puts their foot in it or i mean there's massive high profile vegan companies where you know the ceo has been found to have predatory instincts or things like this horrible stuff like that and then we feel let down we feel betrayed we feel worried like that Mm -hmm. but we kind of i don't know i kind of almost feel like we need to take take the rough with the smooth or 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 be a bit cautious Mm -hmm. with getting too cross at somebody but at the Mm -hmm. same time it it, i think it really does i mean some of these things that he's saying like hearing someone who we're saying and you're, you're right julie like it does look like his approach to to the lifestyle is more of a plant-based one than being hardcore vegan or, or, or whatever we want to call it but most people the everyday person in the street would see him as vegan and so therefore to hear him say things like high quality responsibly sourced meat Th- that yeah. then becomes something he's that's not
2: he's not vegan. no i know i know no,
0: no i know yeah. but to most people who don't fully understand what veganism is and the you know the the different shades between being vegan and, and being plant-based they will think that a vegan is saying that or a vegan mm. might yeah. then say well okay my business isn't doing so well therefore it's okay for me to start selling meat or things mm. like that and it it really does muddy the waters doesn't it
1: yeah can i just say i think that in a sense for me that makes it far worse the fact that he's appropriating those phrases which are coming from the regenerative meat so called regenerative meat stuff you know responsibly sourced and all the rest of it you know that is just greenwashing Hmm. Or whatever you would call it, the animal thing, isn't it? And the fact that he's using that to justify it, hmm. you know, is what what meat eaters use to make themselves feel better about eating meat. So, uh, in a sense, that's I don't know, it just feels it, even worse it, for it, me somehow.
0: It's clearly, it's clearly a horrific position to be in as hmm. a as a business owner. You start seeing the. The pounds go down and you're wondering when you're going to run out of money what's going to happen am i going to become bankrupt am i going to lose my house what's going to happen to my family an awful awful time of course i don't and and he set up his business with the intention of not using animal products um mm. so to kind of sway from that he's not in a great place clearly and you know mm. he's got my sympathy there it's just such a shame that mm. not just the animals who are being exploited for the sake of meals served up at his institution, mm. but wider speaking, you know, the vegan movement is is suffering by by this bad press. But like I say, that's that's not just down to him. That's that's down to mm. the media machine and how it how it sensationalises mm. things, mm. and it's confirmation bias, isn't it? People want to hear this stuff. They want to hear that veganism's a fad. So that I think that's why this story's being so widely reported.
1: I guess in a few years' time, ta- if it happened in a few years' time when cultured meat's are around, <laughs> then if he started serving cultured meat, that wouldn't be so bad now, would it? Um, oh, I don't know. But
2: also, two things. If he thinks that plant-based milk... And plant-based mayonnaise is expensive. Actually, meat is rather expensive, but also so are organic ingredients. I would have liked it, he must have tried it. I don't know if he did. I'd like to have seen him try, maybe just easing up on the organic, sticking with the local produce and see if that would help matters. I don't believe that he's only got one job he can do as well. Sell your business and do something
0: else yeah absolutely if these these other vegan cafes are taking your your custom maybe they'd be interested in in buying your premises or or Mm. subletting it the the argument about the, the price of plant milk is nonsense and i've i've got a background nerdy knowledge in markups and and profit margins and things like that look you can make plenty of profit serving plant milk that whether it costs Mm. 150 a carton or i mean for goodness sake there's hipster places in london and brighton and bristol that are using really rare unusual brands of plant milk that are two pounds two pounds 50 a carton like it's you can still do it if it's Mm. if it's good enough it's it does seem like he's under a lot of pressure and his despite the initial Facebook post saying your feedback is invaluable as we work to make this transition as seamless and rewarding as possible. He's lashing out at a lot of people when you read um, there's a article where he is being interviewed by, it's called theconfidentials.com. It's a it's a local Manchester sort of opinion blog, news sites, a really interesting interview with him. And he is, um, yeah, he's pointing fingers in a lot of other places and, and, uh, labeling people keyboard warriors and and things like that you know he's he's under pressure I, I get it but um... but
2: it just shows you that his conscience is not involved. if he's describing mm. this transition as as rewarding as possible, he's just thinking about the money, I would like to end my view on this with a quote that I really like that's probably been repeated everywhere but I think whoever wrote this has really got it. How many animals do you think deserve to die? so your business can succeed.
0: Let's bring this week's news show to an end. If you want more on this this main story, just go onto Facebook. There's about 5,632 comments on the original Facebook page. So if, if you want more, there's plenty. But for us, that's all we've got time for. Let us know if there's anything we've missed this week or in fact, got completely wrong let us know your opinions
2: yes we'd love to hear from you send us your thoughts on these or any other vegan or animal rights news stories out there get in touch with us by email at enough of the at gmail.com we're also at enough of the Falafel on facebook instagram or tiktok where you can get little previews on the news we're covering in each episode
1: Yes, indeed. And speaking of upcoming episodes, set your alarm for Thursday morning when the next episode of Vegan Talk drops. Myself and Anthony will be joined by Julie, Carlos and Mel and we'll be discussing all things Hunt Sab. It's going to be a brilliant conversation and we're sure you're going to love it. Also, remember, there's 10 episodes of the Going Vegan series up for you to check out if you haven't already.
2: Right, that's enough of the falafel for this week's vegan news. I've been Julie. I've been Kate.
0: And I've been Anthony. And this has been episode 37 of Vegan Week. This show is kindly sponsored by our friends at Fire & Flow Coffee Roasters. And they're such great people. They're offering all enough of the falafel listeners a cheeky 10% off orders on their online store when using the code falafel10. That's falafel, the number 10, Fire and Flow are specialty coffee roastery based in the Cotswold with a fully vegan coffee shop on site. Yeah, they're a vegan founded company too. They're run by three friends, Shah, Callum and Phil and they specialise in roasting and supplying wholesale coffee beans to coffee shops, restaurants, hotels and offices. For the wholesale part of their operations, they work with other businesses to help them get the most out of their coffee offering with free barista training and full technical support included. The products themselves are the result of their passion for working with skilled and ethical minded farmers who produce the highest quality beans. Fire and Flow then roast them to perfection in small batches at their roastery in Sirencester, which you can visit at any time book onto one of their barista courses or roastery tours via their website fireandflowcoffee.co.uk while you're there you can check out the beautiful fully vegan coffee shop on site i've been there myself it's absolutely brilliant and it's open seven days a week from nine till three the last time i went it was a sunday afternoon it's glorious it's just a fab place to hang out and feel good about life Give them a follow on Instagram to get the latest at Fire And for those online orders, remember the code exclusively for our brilliant enough of the falafel community. That is falafel10. 10 10 is 1 and 0. So falafel10.